Section 4 of State of the Union Addresses, 1829-1836. to This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. State of the Union Address, Andrew Jackson, December 6, 1830. Part 2. From a bill making direct appropriations for such objects, I should not have withheld my assent. The one now returned does so in several particulars, but it also contains appropriations for surveys of local character, which I cannot approve. It gives me satisfaction to find that no serious inconvenience has arisen from withholding my approval from this bill, nor will it, I trust, be cause of regret that an opportunity will be thereby afforded for Congress to review its provisions under circumstances better calculated for full investigation than those under which it was passed. In speaking of direct appropriations, I mean not to include a practice which has obtained to some extent, and to which I have in one instance, in a different capacity, given my assent, that of subscribing to the stock of private associations. Positive experience and a more thorough consideration of the subject have convinced me of the impropriety as well as inexpediency of such investments. All improvements effected by the funds of the nation for general use should be open to the enjoyment of all our fellow citizens, exempt from the payment of tolls or any imposition of that character. The practice of thus mingling the concerns of the government with those of the states or of individuals is inconsistent with the object of its institution and highly impolite. The successful operation of the federal system can only be preserved by confining it to the few and simple, but yet important objects for which it was designed. A different practice if allowed to progress, would ultimately change the character of this government by consolidating into one the general and state governments, which were intended to be kept forever distinct. I cannot perceive how bills authorizing such subscriptions can be otherwise regarded than as bills for revenue, and consequently subject to the rule in that respect prescribed by the Constitution. If the interest of the government in private companies is subordinate to that of individuals, the management and control of a portion of the public funds is delegated to an authority unknown to the Constitution and beyond the supervision of our constituents. If superior, its officers and agents will be constantly exposed to imputations of favoritism and oppression. Direct Prejudice the public interest, or an alienation of the affections and respect of portions of the people, may therefore, in addition to the general discredit resulting to the government from embarking with its constituents in pecuniary stipulations, be looked for as the probable fruit of such associations. It is no answer to this objection to say that the extent of consequences like these cannot be great from a limited and small number of investments, because experience in other matters teaches us, and we are not at liberty to disregard its admonitions, 
that unless an entire stop be put to them, it will soon be impossible to prevent their accumulation until they are spread over the whole country and made to embrace many of the private and appropriate concerns of individuals. The power which the general government would acquire within the several states by becoming the principal stockholder in corporations, controlling every canal and each sixty or a hundred miles of every important road, and giving a proportionate vote in all their elections, is almost inconceivable, and in my view dangerous to the liberties of the people. This mode of aiding such works is also in its nature deceptive, and in many cases conducive to improvidence in the administration of the national funds. Appropriations will be obtained with much greater facility and granted with less security to the public interest when the measure is thus disguised than when definite and direct expenditures of money are asked for. The interests of the nation would doubtless be better served by avoiding all such indirect modes of aiding particular objects. In a government like ours, more especially should all public acts be, as far as practicable, simple, undisguised, and intelligible, that they may become fit subjects for the approbation to animate version of the people. The bill authorizing a subscription to the Louisville and Portland Canal affords a striking illustration of the difficulty of withholding additional appropriations for the same object when the first erroneous step has been taken by instituting a partnership between the government and private companies. It proposes a third subscription on the part of the United States, when each preceding one was at the time regarded as the extent of the aid which government was to render to that work, and the accompanying bill for lighthouses, etc., contains an appropriation for a survey of the bed of the river, with a view to its improvement by removing the obstruction which the canal is designed to avoid. This improvement, if successful, would afford a free passage of the river and render the canal entirely useless. To such improvidence is the course of legislation subject in relation to internal improvements on local matters, even with the best intentions on the part of Congress. Although the motives which have influenced me in this matter may be already sufficiently stated, I am nevertheless induced by its importance to add a few observations of a general character. In my objections to the bills authorizing subscriptions to the Maysville and Rockville Road Companies, I expressed my views fully in regard to the power of Congress to construct roads and canals within a state or to appropriate money for improvements of a local character. I, at the same time, intimated my belief that the right to make appropriations for such as were of a national character had been so generally acted upon and so long acquiesced in by the federal and state governments and the constituents of each as to justify its exercise on the ground of continued and uninterrupted usage, but that it was, nevertheless, highly expedient that appropriations even of that character should, with the exception made at the time, be deferred until the national debt is paid, and that in the meanwhile some general rule for the action of the government in that respect ought to be established. 
these suggestions were not necessary to the decision of the question then before me, and were, I readily admit, intended to awake the attention and draw forth the opinion and observations of our constituents upon a subject of the highest importance to their interests, and one destined to exert a powerful influence upon the future operations of our political system. I know of no tribunal to which a public man in this country, in a case of doubt and difficulty, can appeal with greater advantage or more propriety than the judgment of the people. And although I must necessarily, in the discharge of my official duties, be governed by the dictates of my own judgment, I have no desire to conceal my anxious wish to conform as far as I can to the views of those for whom I act. All irregular expressions of public opinion are of necessity attended with some doubt as to their accuracy. But making full allowances on that account, I cannot, I think, deceive myself in believing that the acts referred to, as well as the suggestions which I allowed myself to make in relation to their bearing upon the future operations of the government, have been approved by the great body of the people that those whose immediate pecuniary interests are to be affected by proposed expenditures should shrink from the application of a rule which prefers their more general and remote interests to those which are personal and immediate is to be expected but even such objections must from the nature of our population be but temporary in their duration and if it were otherwise our course should be the same for the time is yet, I hope, far distant, when those entrusted with power to be exercised for the good of the whole will consider it either honest or wise to purchase local favors at the sacrifice of principle and general good. So understanding public sentiment, and thoroughly satisfied that the best interests of our common country imperiously require that the course which I have recommended in this regard should be adopted. I have, upon the most mature consideration, determined to pursue it. It is due to candor, as well as to my own feelings, that I should express the reluctance and anxiety which I must at all times experience in exercising the undoubted right of the executive to withhold his assent from bills on other grounds than their constitutionality that this right should not be exercised on slight occasions, all will admit. It is only in matters of deep interest when the principle involved may be justly regarded as next in importance to infractions of the Constitution itself, that such a step can be expected to meet with the approbation of the people. Such an occasion do I conscientiously believe the present to be. In the discharge of this delicate and highly responsible duty, I am sustained by the reflection that the exercise of this power has been deemed consistent with the obligation of official duty by several of my predecessors, and by the persuasion, too, that whatever liberal institutions may have to fear from the encroachments of executive power, which has been everywhere the cause of so much strife and bloody contention, but little danger is to be apprehended from a precedent by which that authority, 
denies to itself the exercise of powers that bring in their train influence and patronage of great extent, and thus excludes the operation of personal interests everywhere the bane of official trust. I derive, too, no small degree of satisfaction from the reflection that if I have mistaken the interests and wishes of the people, the Constitution affords the means of soon redressing the error by selecting, for the place their favor has bestowed upon me, a citizen whose opinions may accord with their own. I trust, in the meantime, the interests of the nation will be saved from prejudice by a rigid application of that portion of the public funds, which might otherwise be applied to different objects, to that highest of all our obligations, the payment of the public debt, and an opportunity be afforded for the adoption of some better rule for the operations of the government in this matter than any which has hitherto been acted upon. Profoundly impressed with the importance of the subject, not merely as relates to the general prosperity of the country, but to the safety of the federal system, I cannot avoid repeating my earnest hope that all good citizens who take a proper interest in the success and harmony of our admirable political institutions, and who are incapable of desiring to convert an opposite state of things into means for the gratification of personal ambition, will, laying aside minor considerations and discarding local prejudices, unite their honest exertions to establish some fixed general principle which shall be calculated to effect the greatest extent of public good in regard to the subject of internal improvement and afford the least ground for sectional discontent. The general grounds of my objection to local appropriations have been heretofore expressed, and I shall endeavor to avoid a repetition of what has already been urged, the importance of sustaining the state sovereignties as far as is consistent with the rightful action of the federal government, and of preserving the greatest attainable harmony between them. I will now only add an expression of my conviction, a conviction which every day's experience serves to confirm that the political creed which inculcates the pursuit of those great objects as a paramount duty is the true faith and one to which we are mainly indebted for the present success of the entire system and to which we must alone look for its future stability. That there are diversities in the interests of the different states which compose this extensive confederacy must be admitted. Those diversities, arising from situation, climate, population, and pursuits, are doubtless, as it is natural they should be, greatly exaggerated by jealousies and the spirit of rivalry so inseparable from neighboring communities. These circumstances make it the duty of those who are entrusted with the management of its affairs to neutralize their effects as far as practicable by making the beneficial operation of the federal government as equal and equitable among the several states as can be done consistently with the great ends of its institution. It is only necessary to refer to undoubted facts to see how far the past acts of the government upon the subject under consideration, have fallen short on this object. 
the expenditures heretofore made for internal improvements amount to upward of five million dollars and have been distributed in very unequal proportions among the states the estimated expense of works of which surveys have been made together with that of others projected and partially surveyed amounts to more than ninety six million dollars that such improvements on account of particular circumstances may be more advantageously and beneficially made in some states than in others is doubtless true but that they are of a character which should prevent an equitable distribution of the funds amongst the several states is not to be conceded the want of this equitable distribution cannot fail to prove a prolific source of irritation among the states we have it constantly before our eyes that professions of superior zeal in the cause of internal improvement and a disposition to lavish the public funds upon objects of this character are daily and earnestly put forth by aspirants to power as constituting the highest claims to the confidence of the people would it be strange under such circumstances and in times of great excitement that grants of this description should find their motives in objects which may not accord with the public good those who have not had occasion to see and regret the indication of a sinister influence in these matters in past times have been more fortunate than myself in their observation of the course of public affairs if to these evils be added the combinations and angry contentions to which such a course of things gives rise with their baleful influences upon the legislation of congress touching the leading and appropriate duties of the federal government it was but doing justice to the character of our people to expect the severe condemnation of the past which the recent exhibitions of public sentiment has evinced Nothing short of a radical change in the action of the government upon the subject can, in my opinion, remedy the evil. If, as it would be natural to expect, the states which have been least favored in past appropriations should insist on being redressed in those hereafter to be made at the expense of the states which have so largely and disproportionately participated, we have, as matters now stand, but little security that the attempt would do more than change the inequality from one quarter to another thus viewing the subject i have heretofore felt it my duty to recommend the adoption of some plan for the distribution of the surplus funds which may at any time remain in the treasury after the national debt shall have been paid among the states in proportion to the number of their representatives to be applied by them to objects of internal improvement. Although this plan has met with favor in some portions of the Union, it has also elicited objections which merit deliberate consideration. A brief notice of these objections here will not, therefore, I trust, be regarded as out of place. They rest, as far as they have come to my knowledge, on the following grounds— first an objection to the ration of distribution 
Second, an apprehension that the existence of such a regulation would produce improvident and oppressive taxation to raise the funds for distribution. Third, that the mode proposed would lead to the construction of works of a local nature, to the exclusion of such as are general and as would consequently be of a more useful character, and last, that it would create a discreditable and injurious dependence on the part of the state governments upon the federal power, of those who object to the ration of representatives as the basis of distribution. Some insist that the importations of the respective states would constitute one that would be more equitable, and others again that the extent of their respective territories would furnish a standard which would be more expedient and sufficiently equitable. The ration of representation presented itself to my mind, and it still does, as one of obvious equity, because of its being the ratio of contribution, whether the funds to be distributed be derived from the customs or from direct taxation. It does not follow, however, that its adoption is indispensable to the establishment of the system proposed. There may be considerations appertaining to the subject which would render a departure, to some extent, from the rule of contribution proper. Nor is it absolutely necessary that the basis of distribution be confined to one ground. It may, if in the judgment of those whose right it is to fix it, it be deemed politic, and just to give it that character, have regard to several. In my first message, I stated it to be my opinion that it is not probably that any adjustment of the tariff upon principles satisfactory to the people of the Union will, until a remote period, if ever, leave the government without a considerable surplus in the Treasury beyond what may be required for its current surplus. I have had no cause to change that opinion, but much to confirm it. Should these expectations be realized, a suitable fund would thus be produced for the plan under consideration to operate upon, and if there be no such fund, its adoption will, in my opinion, work no injury to any interest, for I cannot assent to the justness of the apprehension that the establishment of the proposed system would tend to the encouragement of improvident legislation of the character supposed. Whatever the proper authority in the exercise of constitutional power shall at any time hereafter decide to be for the general good, will in that, as in other respects, deserve and receive the acquiescence and support of the whole country. And we have ample security that every abuse of power in that regard by agents of the people will receive a speedy and effectual corrective at their hands. The views which I take of the future, founded on the obvious and increasing improvement of all classes of our fellow citizens in intelligence and in public and private virtue, leave me without much apprehension on that head. I do not doubt that those who come after us will be as much alive as we are to the obligation upon all the trustees of political power to exempt those for whom they act from all unnecessary burdens, 
and as sensible of the great truth that the resources of the nation beyond those required for immediate and necessary purposes of government can nowhere be so well deposited as in the pockets of the people. It may sometimes happen that the interests of particular states would not be deemed to coincide with the general interest in relation to improvements within such states. But if the danger to be apprehended from this source is sufficient to require it, a discretion might be reserved to Congress to direct to such improvements of a general character as the states concerned might not be disposed to unite in the application of the quota of the states under the restriction of confining to each state the expenditure of its appropriate quota. It may, however, be assumed as a safe general rule that such improvements as serve to increase the prosperity of the respective states in which they are made by giving new facilities to trade and therefore augmenting the wealth and comfort of their inhabitants constitute the surest mode of conferring permanent and substantial advantages upon the whole. The strength, as well as the true glory of the Confederacy, is founded on the prosperity and power of the several independent sovereignties of which it is composed, and the certainty with which they can be brought into successful active cooperation through the agency of the federal government. It is, moreover, within the knowledge of such as are at all conversant with public affairs, that schemes of internal improvement have from time to time been proposed, which, from their extent and seeming magnificence, were readily regarded as of national concernment, but which, upon fuller consideration and further experience, would now be rejected with great unanimity that the plan under consideration would derive important advantages from its certainty, and that the monies set apart for these purposes would be more judiciously applied and economically expended under the direction of the state legislatures, in which every part of each state is immediately represented, cannot, I think, be doubted. In the new states particularly, where a comparatively small population is scattered over an extensive surface, and the representation in Congress consequently very limited, it is natural to expect that the appropriations made by the federal government would be more likely to be expanded in the vicinity of those numbers through whose immediate agency they were obtained, than if the funds were placed under the control of the legislature in which every county of the state has its own representative. This supposition does not necessarily impugn the motives of such congressional representatives, nor is it so intended. We are all sensible of the bias to which the strongest minds and purest hearts are, under such circumstances, liable. In respect to the last objection, its probable effect upon the dignity and independence of state governments, it appears to me only necessary to state the case as it is, and as it would be if the measure proposed were adopted, to show that the operation is most likely to be the very reverse of that which the objection supposes. In the one case, the state would receive its quota of the national revenue for domestic use 
upon a fixed principle as a matter of right, and from a fund to the creation of which it had itself contributed its fair proportion. Surely there could be nothing derogatory in that. As matters now stand, the states themselves, in their sovereign character, are not unfrequently petitioners at the bar of the federal legislature for such allowances out of the national treasury, as it may comport with their pleasure or sense of duty to bestow upon them. It cannot require argument to prove which one of the two courses is most compatible with the efficiency or respectability of the state governments. But all these are matters for discussion and dispassionate consideration. That the desired adjustment would be attended with difficulty affords no reason why it should not be attempted. The effective operation of such motives would have prevented the adoption of the Constitution, under which we have so long lived, and under the benign influence of which our beloved country has so signally prospered. The framers of that sacred instrument had greater difficulties to overcome, and they did overcome them. The patriotism of the people, directed by a deep conviction of the importance of the Union, produced mutual concession and reciprocal forbearance. Strict right was merged in a spirit of compromise, and the result has consecrated their disinterested devotion to the general wheel. Unless the American people have degenerated, the same result can be again effected whenever experience points out the necessity of a resort to the same means to uphold the fabric which their fathers have reared. It is beyond the power of man to make a system of government like ours, or any other, operate with precise equality upon states situated like those which compose this confederacy nor is inequality always injustice. Every state cannot expect to shape the measures of the general government to suit its own particular interests. The cause which prevented are seated in the nature of things, and cannot be entirely counteracted by human means. Mutual forbearance becomes, therefore, a duty obligatory upon all and we may, I am confident, count upon a cheerful compliance with this high injunction on the part of our constituents. It is not to be supposed that they will object to make such comparatively inconsiderable sacrifices for the preservation of rights and privileges which other less favored portions of the world have in vain waited through seas of blood to acquire. Our course is a safe one, if it be but faithfully adhered to. Acquiescence in the constitutionally expressed will of the majority, and the exercise of that will in a spirit of moderation, justice, and brotherly kindness, will constitute a cement which would forever preserve our Union. Those who cherish and inculcate sentiments like these render a most essential service to their country while those who seek to weaken their influence are, however conscientious and praiseworthy their intentions, in effect its worst enemies. If the intelligence and influence of the country, instead of laboring to foment sectional prejudices, to be made subservient to party warfare, 
were in good faith applied to the eradication of causes of local discontent, by the improvement of our institutions, and by facilitating their adaption to the condition of the times, this task would prove one of less difficulty. May we not hope that the obvious interests of our common country and the dictates of an enlightened patriotism will, in the end, lead the public mind in that direction? After all, the nature of the subject does not admit of a plan wholly free from objection. That which has for some time been in operation is perhaps the worst that could exist, and every advance that can be made in its improvements is a matter eminently worthy of your most deliberate attention. It is very possible that one better calculated to effect the objects in view may yet be devised. If so, it is to be hoped that those who disapprove the past and dissent from what is proposed for the future will feel it their duty to direct their attention to it, as they must be sensible that unless some fixed rule for the action of the federal government in this respect is established, the course now attempted to be arrested will be again resorted to. Any mode which is calculated to give the greatest degree of effect and harmony to our legislation upon the subject, which shall best serve to keep the movements of the federal government within the sphere intended by those who modeled and those who adopted it, which shall lead to the extinguishment of the national debt in the shortest period, and impose the lightest burdens upon our constituents, shall receive from me a cordial and firm support. Among the objects of great national concern, I cannot omit to press again upon your attention that part of the Constitution which regulates the election of President and Vice-President. The necessity for its amendment is made so clear to my mind by observation of its evils and by the many able discussions which they have elicited on the floor of Congress and elsewhere that I should be wanting to my duty were I to withhold another expression of my deep solicitude on the subject. Our system fortunately contemplates a recurrence to first principles, differing in this respect from all that have preceded it and securing it, I trust, equally against the decay and the commotions which have marked the progress of other governments. Our fellow citizens, too, who in proportion to their love of liberty, keep a steady eye upon the means of sustaining it, do not require to be reminded of the duty they owe to themselves to remedy all essential defects in so vital a part of their system while they are sensible that every evil attended upon its operation is not necessarily indicative of a bad organization, but may proceed from temporary causes, yet the habitual presence, or even a single instance, of evils, which can be clearly traced to an organic defect, will not, I trust, be overlooked through a too scrupulous veneration for the work of their ancestors." The Constitution was an experiment committed to the virtue and intelligence of the great mass of our countrymen, in whose ranks the framers of it themselves were to perform the part of patriotic observation and scrutiny, and if they have passed from the stage of existence with an increased confidence in its general adaptation to our condition, we should learn from authority so high 
the duty of fortifying the points in it which time proves to be exposed rather than be deterred from approaching them by the suggestions of fear or the dictates of misplaced reverence a provision which does not secure to the people a direct choice of their chief magistrate but has a tendency to defeat their will presented to my mind such an inconsistence with the general spirit of our institutions that i was indeed to suggest for your consideration the substitute which appeared to me at the same time the most likely to correct the evil and to meet the views of our constituents the most mature reflection since has added strength to the belief that the best interests of our country require the speedy adoption of some plan calculated to effect this end a contingency which sometimes places in it the power of a single member of the house of representatives to decide an election of so high and solemn a character is unjust to the people and becomes when it occurs a source of embarrassment to the individuals thus brought into power and a cause of distrust of the representative body liable as the confederacy is from its great extent to parties founded upon sectional interests and to a corresponding multiplication of candidates for the presidency the tendency of the constitutional reference to the house of representatives is to devolve the election upon that body in almost every instance and whatever choice may then be made among the candidates thus presented to them to swell the influence of particular interests to a degree inconsistent with the general good the consequences of this feature of the constitution appear far more threatening to the peace and integrity of the union than any which i can conceive as likely to result from the simple legislative action of the federal government it was a leading object with the framers of the constitution to keep as separate as possible the action of the legislative and executive branches of the government to secure this object nothing is more essential than to preserve the former from all temptations of private interest and therefore so to direct the patronage of the latter as not to permit such temptations to be offered experience abundantly demonstrates that every precaution in this respect is a valuable safeguard of liberty and one which my reflections upon the tendencies of our system incline me to think should be made still stronger it was for this reason that in connection with an amendment of the constitution removing all intermediate agency in the choice of a president i recommend some restrictions upon the re-eligibility of that officer and upon the tenure of offices generally the reason still exists and i renew the recommendation with an increased confidence that its adoption will strengthen those checks by which the constitution designed to secure the independence of each department of the government and promote the healthful and equitable administration of all the trusts which it has created the agent most likely to contravene this design of the constitution is the chief magistrate in order particularly that his appointment May as far as possible be placed beyond the reach of any improper influences in order that he may approach the solemn responsibilities of the highest office in the gift of a free people uncommitted 
to any other course than the strict line of constitutional duty, and that the securities for this independence may be rendered as strong as the nature of power and the weakness of its possessor will admit. I cannot too earnestly invite your attention to the propriety of promoting such an amendment of the Constitution as will render him ineligible after one term of service. End of section 4.